Welcome to the Bears and Brews podcast, the podcast for the modern wildlife watcher. (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely not. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bears and Brews podcast. I'm Pam. Hi. And there's Charlotte. And I'm Solomon. Hi guys. How is it going guys? What have you been up to this week? I slept. Uh, working. <laughs> yeah, work's been crazy here. So once I wasn't working, I slept. Yeah, I know work's been crazy because you never respond to texts anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had I've had quite a few days where it's like a 12 hour day. Um, And I had one day where it was office from uh, 6 or 7 a.m. to 4, and then meetings from 4.30 to 7 p.m. That's like me and a quarter. (laughs) Yours is probably never like me because I work for myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. But I, I do like it. It's just been very busy. So sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. I guess I'll forgive you. And once you guys start paying me for replying to texts, I'll like, you know, change my priorities a little bit. Just get yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been cold as fuck here. It was like 25 below and with Ugh. wind chill, it was like 40 below. But Oh my God, it's been so windy here too. It's awful. This is the worst time of year. It's the worst. It's like I left the Midwest like, why am I, I don't, I shouldn't feel like I'm in Wyoming anymore. Oh my God. Wyoming is so fucking windy. Not that I live there, but you know what I mean? Well, it's been really snowy too. So I took out my new cross country skis and I tried them out. I went skiing at lunch. Yes. I loved the pictures. Did you go skiing in Tahoe? <laughs> <laughs> Not with cross countries. No. But I got Thor a ski joring set. Oh, I don't know what that is, but that sounds cute. I'm excited for Thor to ski jor. He's going to love it. It's when a, your dog is like attached to you and they help pull you. Smushing on skis. Or a bike or running or whatever. So like cross country skiing, but like without the exercise part of it. No, you're still doing it. They're just helping. <laughs> just teasing. That's, um, that's kind of how I use Ko when I hike with him. Not officially, but like, you know, you're going up a hill and it's just like, oh, yes, it helps. Yeah. Uh, what are you guys drinking? Um, nothing, but I did hit my uh, water goal. Oh, okay. But I'm not drinking anything at the moment. I definitely have not. That's really good. Wait, Pam, what were you going to guess I was drinking? No, I was just going to say that you were drinking on video here in front of us. It's a chai tea with like a vanilla oat milk that tastes like oh yum marshmallows to me. With uh, spices. That sounds tasty. Ooh, I was going to say, it kind of looks like a white Russian. Uh, that would be fancy. Which white Russian is like vodka? Vodka and milk, yeah. And some kind of cream stuff. Is it really just milk. milk? I think so. Well, you can kind of put other stuff in it too. Like, uh, it's really good with Ooh. chocolate milk. Oh, Ooh. I want that. That sounds cool. Or you could make a hot otter, <laughs> which is... It's hot chocolate with whiskey and a teeny bit of peppermint schnapps. Mm. It's great to take sledding and... Oh, my mom yeah. will make that. I'm weird with peppermint, though. What other ways does it sound cool? 
I am weird with peppermint too, but you just you just put a tiny little splash in, so it just makes it okay. It's not yeah. overwhelmingly minty. No, no. Well, since nobody ever asks, I'll just tell you guys what Sorry. I'm drinking. Hey Pam, Charlotte should be asking. <laughs> hey Pam, what are you drinking? Pam, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> that sounded very. It actually sounded really. Charlotte uh, is so professional. It sounded like you actually cared. How do you do Pam, that? Pam, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, if you guys would shut the fuck up, I would tell. <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking a Grand Teton Brewing Sweetgrass Pale Ale, which I have drank on the show before. It's kind of my go-to for Grand Teton Brewing. That sounds tasty. Anytime anyone says pale ale, it sounds like a tongue twister to me. Pale ale. Well, because you're saying pale, you're saying pale ale. <laughs> no, that's what it sounds. That's what it sounds like. Pale ale. I said you pale said ale pale the first time, ale. but it's hard. No, okay. You'll hear it when you edit the episode. I at first said pale ale, and then I said pale ale. Okay, I have I have the bear fact of the day. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. What's our bear fact of the day? What are we talking she about? She doesn't trust us with it anymore. No, we're rotating. <laughs> yeah, sure. A, a group of bears is known as a sloth. A sloth of bears. That's confusing. That's really cute. <laughs> was that it is cute was that before sloths were also named as like an an, an animal i don't know because whoever did that i would say that's confusing i don't know that's the like a group of seals is called a dolphin like <laughs> you know that's that's a little bit confusing that's insane right no okay but you know the funny like, thing is you could make a word and just be like they're called this like a group of crows is called a murder which i know from the simpsons thank you very much but like somebody just was like hey what should we call a group of crows and then they just pulled like a name a word out of their ass okay but um, but it wasn't as confusing can i fucking talk jesus (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) i love it you're just you're very passionate about this (laughs) Um, i just i just have a slight problem with it well the funny thing is there Mm -hmm. used to be a bear called a sloth bear Oh yeah, we used to. It doesn't exist anymore. Oh my! Why do I feel like I'm high? I am not high at I'm, all. Am I mourning a bear that's still here? <laughs> Let me recite uh-huh. that. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, there's a type of bear called a sloth bear. <laughs> so you're just gonna you're just gonna take out the part where you said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do on this show. No, yeah. all of it stays in. This is this is real shit. If all of it stayed in, we would have even less listeners than we do. Oh my god, I couldn't even listen to us if all of it stayed in. <laughs> um, next time we're all in the same room, I'm going to make you guys edit a show with me, and you'll, you'll <laughs> fucking see. I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right, should we get on to the actual topic? Oh, is it bears? Wait, before we do. Yes. Whoa, Pam, the enthusiasm. Whoa, we, have, <laughs> we have an announcement to make. Are we talking about yours and my announcement, Pam? I was lucky enough. <laughs> I was lucky enough to get reservations for Brooks Camp during the salmon run this year. And Charlotte is coming with me. I'm so excited for I'm you guys. I'm so excited. And 
We are going to see the fat bears while they are really <laughs> fucking fat. I'm so excited. I I'm might have to do another yes. podcast episode in honor of the fat bears just because I'll get to see them. I mean, I feel like you guys should record one from there, right? Yeah. Is that oh, I think we should too. The problem is you have um, weight limits on the little float planes. And because we're camping, we're already probably going to be pretty close to our weight limits on those little planes. But don't you guys have like Apple computers that weigh like as much as like a dollar bill or something? Apple, like they're incredibly but light. So there's no cell phone service or any of that shit there. You guys know you can record stuff without the internet, right? <laughs> not with. Not, I'm so confused right now. Not with what we use. Okay. First of all, not with what we use. You can use a different application, know, and then you can probably just but import then it. Then I have to fucking relearn how to do some fucking other shit, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> But the main reason why we're not going to record while we're there is because we are going to spend every waking second watching bears. Yes. And they're going to walk right next to us. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm it's so, so exciting. Yeah. I, uh, I can't believe we're going. So, for the record, everybody, Salome was invited and we put <laughs> quite heavy pressure on her. Yes. Yeah, sorry about come. that, Salome. So we're not leaving her out. We are not leaving her out. She has passed. She has passed on it. Do you want to tell everybody why? I opted because I find it terrifying. Um, I think wildlife is absolutely amazing, but there's definitely an amount of space that I want between myself and most types of wildlife for their safety and my safety. And Katmai has an amazing safety record. I think they're very well managed and just a very fantastic example of what they do um but i just feel very unsafe being that close to bears but i'm really excited for you guys and i know that you guys will be safe and take precautions yeah, and and that's okay we don't want to like shame you or pressure you um the thing that i will force <laughs> you to do though that's interesting we will miss you though. i will uh-huh. force you to come <laughs> camping in yellowstone with me though in in a cabin i will yes not in a tent. Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared enough of being intense anyway um, that I, I will in a cabin, though. Didn't you guys rent a cabin in Yellowstone? We've done all of the above. Yeah. Would you do an RV in a campground? Oh, yeah. Like a hard-sided RV? We could rent one? I could rent a little I would, trailer? I would maybe... That sounds fancy. Uh, I would maybe do an RV. I feel like they're also kind of flimsy. Um, and one of my... Uh, uh, an old friend and coworker that I had a long time ago told me a really terrifying story about being in, I think it was Yosemite in her parents like camper and they, they, they pulled it around and they had uh, like, it was, you know, the car, it was being towed on and the camper kind of at like a little bit of an yeah. angle. And for some reason they were in the car part instead of the camper and a giant uh, brown bear or grizzly or whatever came up and like stood on its hindlings and was looking into the camper like through the windows um and kept just going around to different ones and looking into the windows and that just sounds so terrifying to me um that i'm just two main things on that your friend's a liar because there are no grizzly bears <laughs> yes. in yosemite it's only black bears well are there brown bears no. well maybe it's so i only i don't know American if it was yosemite bears. it was I, I that might just be me misspeaking it was some like national park but i don't remember if it was like yellowstone or yosemite or glacier 
and I think in my mind when I heard this story, it just kind of all mixed together because I was just like, oh God, a bear, that's terrifying. Okay. So, so that could just be me. The second thing though, correctly. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Yosemite and it was a black bear because black bears in the Sierra Nevadas are very conditioned and they are they are like the kind that are also not the kind but like they have adapt yeah the kind that's like in the smokies where they have they have really associated that with food i have there's only been one time camping in yellowstone where a bear has even come through the campground in general when i've stayed there and it was one night super early in the season and we were on either side of a trout run and they were just walking through to get some trout out of the streams so like yes they do go through the campgrounds every now and then but they're not like rifling through them they're just walking through and yeah you like you would literally have nothing to worry about if we were in a hard-sided camper of any kind in the park but if they wanted to couldn't get they get into it pretty easily it depends on the kind of bear and how big they are and the kind of camper but probably but they could get into a cabin <laughs> if they wanted to they could literally rip open the logs on the side of the cabin and get in like they could bust through the window like i'm not trying to make it worse i'm trying to make it better of like <laughs> if a bear really wants so... to it's gonna do it but they don't really do you guys want to just go like rent a cabin in like uh malibu or something? no and to be honest charlotte charlotte can back me up on this to be honest the murder cabin is in my opinion the murder cabin the murder cabin that we rented by gardner in my opinion is more susceptible to a bear breaking in than anything inside the park of a bear getting into because it's more remote there's less people and the bears are not used to it like they are in the and there's maybe a murderer already in it why is it called the murder cabin yeah it's creepy as shit like i don't even know how to describe it it's just creepy so we showed up at this cabin and there's like four total bedrooms with like six beds and we go into one of the bedrooms and there's a little trap door for the crawl space underneath well the trap door is open the door to the crawl space Ooh. is open and the light is on in the crawl space and if you guys don't know what a crawl space is um. it's like three feet tall and like dirt it's under you know the main floor of the house and the light was on and we're like peeking under there trying to figure out what's going on scared the fucking shit out of us because the light was on i forgot the light was on that yeah was what did it, for me. it was also yeah. the vibes were just weird like it just had bad vibes i i don't i don't mind the vibes but like we shut we shut the door to it and we put a dresser over it and then we moved all the beds around so that we were all and then you heard banging on it in the middle of the night <laughs> right and we were all staying in the same like we ended up five people in two rooms in a four bedroom cabin because we were so scared and then it had this really creepy attic and i got on the step stool and put my phone up there and put it on video with the flashlight on and 
like went around to see if there was anything in the attic. We were just scaring ourselves also, but there's nothing around this property. Terrifying. Nobody would hear us screaming and there's no cell phone reception. It was not a- it was not secure either that like no. it was not like a bear could totally have gotten in i would yeah, have rather like, been in a tent in terms of bears no cell phone reception no wi-fi at the cabin either like you get down this road outside gardner and you are just cut off other than any satellite communication devices which i so, did not have at the time so i've considered your proposal to camp in a tent slash cabin in Yellowstone. And I would counter that I once stayed in a fairly okay Best Western in West Yellowstone and ordered a pizza from Domino's. And that was actually really enjoyable. So let's just do that. I would do that. And no, I I'll think hook you up. then I won't get murdered. I will, I will make sure we are in a place that you feel safe. That's not a murder cabin. Right. Or like one time in the Tetons a few years ago, we were well we stayed like four nights in yellowstone and then we went down in the tetons it was before i lived up here and um it was my friend's husband's birthday and we had a trailer with us like a pop-up tent trailer and there was a meteor shower that night so i took a big sleeping pad and i actually slept outside in the bed of the truck um just open to the elements and to whatever so that i could lay there and watch the meteor shower um, but you know, no bears came by, even though there was like four bears in camp that day, like no bears came by. I didn't even get mosquito bites. It was fine. Anyway, we gotta, we gotta get going. Sorry guys. I took yeah, us. Let's go on. Okay. okay. So today, <laughs> so where were we? We, we were just talking about a sloth of bears. So today we are talking about elk okay i love elk i loved hearing them bugle during the run when we were there it was very magical we are going to play a royalty free clip of that um when we talk about the rut um so elk are the second largest deer species found in north america charlotte what's the first one that you didn't realize was a deer oh moose yeah yeah um, i was like so, wait what and then my second question was <laughs> can they interbreed i was because, also like wait what wait what wait can they interbreed because i find that no. shit so fascinating <laughs> i wish okay listeners we've turned off our cameras because it was laggy but i wish mine was still on because my head is literally in my hands right now <laughs> i literally don't on. know why i find hybrids so interesting lately but like this is my latest like roman empire okay well i'm just gonna slip this right in um elk have been like reintroduced to new zealand and they have been successfully crossbreeding with red deer oh interesting but we're gonna talk about that in a little bit okay cool kind of but that's the only crossbreeding i know about so just fyi okay thank you for Um, answering that up front yes i got you uh so um elk also go by the name wapiti uh which is a shawnee and cree name um i i'm so you guys know i pronounce shit so weird i used to say wapiti no i thought it was wapiti the, the first time i saw it i thought it was wapiti well, like in my brain like arkansas is still arkansas and plenty of other things just there's something else in my brain. So I've never thought, I like to tease you about it, but I've never thought you pronounce things weird. Oh yeah. Tease away. I love when you're spicy. (laughs) Like last episode was, you were so spicy last episode. Okay. So 
Um, yeah, so you'll see in a lot of places where elk are endemic, um, like along the Rocky Mountain Corridor um, and in the Pacific Northwest, you'll see a lot of, of things that, that are called wapiti, right? So it's W-A-P-I-T-I. Yeah, when I saw and that was... whether the, you say... When I saw that was the title of the episode, I thought we'd be talking about the wapiti wolf pack. Wasn't there some, like, TV show where somebody says, like, whippity wapiti something the something? Are you thinking bibbity boppity boo <laughs> oh no, but I could totally see why it would sound like I'm doing that. So, okay, whether you say wapiti or wapiti, uh, when you see that around, just know that that means elk. So there's a lot of things that are, you know, re- like there's a town in Wyoming called um, wapiti. There's a trail uh, and a lake in Yellowstone, wapiti lake. Uh, so there's a lot of that around, and that is the Native American name. Um, and fun fact, in Europe, the term elk is actually used for moose. Interesting. Yep. So like I said, they're the second largest deer in North America. They can be anywhere from like 300 pounds to about 1,000 or more, um, depending on the subspecies. And they're about four to five feet at the shoulder. So they're not super tall, but those bulls have those fucking antlers that are just gigantic. And definitely- I love seeing them fall off. Oh, yeah, they're so cool. And so in North America specifically, there's four subspecies that are left. Um, The largest is actually called the Roosevelt's elk, which is in a certain area of the Pacific Northwest and um, like the Cascade Range. And the so they're the largest body size, but the largest antlers are Rocky Mountain elk. And I'm going to tell you why a little bit later, but there are also Rocky Mountain elk in the Pacific Northwest, and they are breeding with the Roosevelt's elk. Interesting. Which okay. are subspecies, so subspecies can usually breed, you know, crossbreed pretty easily. Thank you for anticipating that question. Right. <laughs> um so they so elk as we know them today so they started to evolve about like 25 million years ago but the ones that we know as they are today they've only been over here for about 125,000 years um and actually so a lot of times we'll think of like north american deer or like deer species so like moose or elk or white-tailed deer or, or sitka deer or deer or whatever and we'll think they've they've got to be really related right because they're in the same space blah 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 but um elk are actually closer related to deer that are in like eurasia so water deer roe deer um one called the the closest one they're related to is called a reeves muntjac um and that is the one that i sent you guys a photo of on our episode notes on our outline oh that's a deer Yes, and it we is... were literally guessing what even kind of animal it was, guys. It was it's like the weirdest fucking thing. Well, I guess it was an aspen deer, which for those who don't know, aspen is one of Pam's dogs, and she's adorable and derpy, and it looks like an aspen deer to me. Yes, so we can call that an aspen deer because that's easier to say than a Reeves <laughs> Munchak. Such a weird name too. <laughs> but yes, they're very silly. We'll put it in the we'll put it on our socials um <laughs> but yeah and so one of the other ones is musk deer so most of these deer are located in like central or southeast asia or some of them in like eastern europe but that's actually what elk our elk are clo- more closely related to um evolution wise and even dna wise interesting okay so it's pretty cool 
Yeah, and and musk deer uh, are super badass Wait, um, because they. Um, sorry, quick question: Have you DNA tested Aspen? Do we know where Aspen is in all of this? <laughs> I have, I have, and she is a descendant of the Reeves Muntjac. Oh, that, that tracks. <laughs> it does. So these musk deer are weirdly badass because where their canine teeth would normally be, um, they have tusks, like literal tusks that come down. Deer have canines? That's why this is so cool because it's where the canine teeth would be on another animal, but it's a literal fucking tusks that come down. That is crazy. And are they... They're herbivores, just like regular deer, right? Yeah. So, so I'm glad you asked that because elk actually have canine teeth that are called ivories, which are just a little bit longer, but they're still like flat at the end for grinding um, plant material. But scientists believe that these ivories, quote unquote, they're not actually ivory, right? They're teeth, but they believe they're remnants of a similar type of like tusk, like saber like tusk and that they use them in combat damn okay (laughs) like ancient elk with tusks were like fighting each other (laughs) that is insane wow that's a weird mental picture that i did not expect right do you think i also think they would have they'd like snort a lot and have a lisp and i don't know why i just would i just think (laughs) they had these big tusks (laughs) Oh my gosh. So nowadays, elk are found in little pockets throughout um, Central and Eastern Asia, and then throughout North America. So um, Pacific Northwest, California, um, all along our Rocky Mountain Corridor, um, the Great Lakes region, the Midwest and like Southern Plains. And they actually even have small populations in some of the Eastern states like... uh, North Carolina, um, yeah, and they, they used to be found all across Eurasia, Western Europe, even up to, like, Sweden and the Alps, but they're not really found in those places anymore. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and I don't know why, I don't know why they're not all over Europe anymore, um, so don't ask, because I don't know. I didn't look that up. Pam, um, <laughs> why are they not all over Europe anymore? <laughs> Uh, I feel like this, your um, research is a little lacking, but okay. <laughs> well, you're not <laughs> wrong. You're not wrong. And a lot of today's episode is, you know, obviously we will put our sources as we always do, but a lot of today's information is just stuff I know from like school and random webinars and like, you know, educate, like stuff like that. So I do have actual sources. So, um, they they are super versatile, which is actually a little detrimental to things like bighorn sheep and moose because elk can live in forests, prairies, grassland, um, rainforests, meadows, mountain areas, and even even like dry hot deserts like southern Utah. They are very versatile. Dang, yeah, okay. Arizona, Arizona, New Mexico. Um, one subspecies even used to live in Mexico. So Wait, are, are there elk in New York? There's not, but uh, so there's about so worldwide there's about two million, and they're considered like the least concern in regards to converse, conservation. But if you think about it, two million in the whole world, that doesn't to me. I was like, 
it's not a lot that can't be right but i was i even like manually added up counts of different countries and states and i was like yeah it's about two million and in north america specifically there used to be about 10 million until european settlers yep european settlers have caused a lot of issues uh (laughs) so they dropped to about 50,000 in North America at their lowest, which is still quite a lot. Um, quite a lot, know, but also quite a few. Yeah, like I mean, if you compare, not very many. Yeah, if you compare 10 million to 50,000, that's a lot less. But 50,000 isn't in, entirely a cause for concern, especially with how versatile they are. But, but now right. there's about a million in North America as a whole. So Canada okay, and good. U.S. Good, good, and like good. we talked, yeah, much better. And as we talked about uh, in that microbrewing about wolves, wolves in Colorado, Colorado has the most, has the highest population of elk with a little under 300,000. But here's the weird thing. Montana has the second highest, uh, but they have less than half of what Colorado has. Montana oh, and Oregon, okay. yeah, they each have about 130,000 elk, Montana and Oregon. So less than half of the of of the most populated one. Those um, elk in Colorado, they get busy, honestly, um, because they are just walking around the streets of Estes Park, just like just living Park, their best like, life. Yeah, yeah. So in where I live in Idaho, there's 120,000, and then Wyoming comes in fourth place. 115,000. So Utah, actually, Salome, I don't know if you knew this, but elk is... I was wondering where mine... (laughs) Elk is the Utah state animal. What? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. To me, anyway. Nothing against elk. I just... I'm trying to think if there was a Utah state animal, what it would be. It makes sense to me because the bass-ackwards politics and... You know, we have to preserve all these elk at every fucking cost. Well, I can picture as like a white blonde lady with like a Stanley mug as like the state animal. I can't hey, actually don't picture hate any on Stanley actual. Mug. <laughs> I'm just. No, but, I... but Utah. So Utah is like the sixth most populous at 75,000. So after Colorado, like it really dips. And sorry, Charlotte, there's none in New York. Sorry. Sad. I I figured. I've never seen one and never heard of them being. Okay, so elk will eat about 20 pounds of grasses, shrubs, and flowering plants a day. And in winter, they will also eat like bark and twigs and stuff, kind of like moose do. Delicious. (laughs) Nothing sounds more unappetizing than 20 pounds of sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Mmm, delicious. (laughs) No, but did you know there's like a certain level of bark that humans can eat and actually get some nutrition from? <laughs> no, no, I'm telling you, it's, it's under. Dying. It's like a survival thing. Yes, it's a survival thing. It's under the main level of bark when it gets like wet, and it kind of looks like a coconut inside. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. can actually eat that and get a little bit of nutrition from it. FYI. Good to know. Next time you're lost in the woods. And it has a special name, but I can't remember. But the reason why elk can do all this is because they are ruminants, which we've talked about before. So guess how many stomachs they have? Five. Solomon, are you going to (laughs) guess? 
Okay, Charlotte guessed five. Uh, four? I don't, how, four. I don't know. Ding, 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 ding. Is it? Yeah, four. Mm-hmm. So that's what they eat. Let's talk about what eats them. Yes. There's actually... The other part of the bark? Oh, no, sorry. (laughs) There's actually a total of about 20 different species, not counting humans, uh, that eat them. And 12 of those are scavengers. About 12 of those are scavengers. So ravens, eagles, coyotes, raccoons. Uh, And that doesn't even count like the microbiome, microbiome in and around the soil like as they decompose. So, so kind of in a roundabout way, it is the bark, like, right? The <laughs> soil and then that feeds the tree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about wolves. Um, so in Yellowstone, elk make up about 85% of wolf diets, but it used to be closer to 93%. Well, yeah, because there's so fucking many elk. Well, yeah, but also the wolves in the park, and I've touched on this a little bit before, but they've adapted to be able to successfully hunt bison. Right. Than they, yeah. than, you know, they used to. Um, mountain lions, black and grizzly bears will also uh, successfully prey on them. There's about a million elk in North America. Um, humans hunt about 200,000 of them. I mean, elk is really good. Is it? Elk elk meat is the leanest and the it's the leanest and it's the highest in protein of all North American game. I really like elk. I really like bison. Like when we go to Yellowstone, we stay outside the park and have a bison burger. Oh, mm, so good. I've had venison once and I've had moose and I've had bison. Does it taste like any of those? I think bison and elk are kind of in their own category a little bit. Um, I've had all sorts of elk though. Like I've had, I've had elk that has been, I don't want to say marinated, but kind of marinated in some stuff that makes it not taste gamey. And then I've had elk that hasn't been put in those kind of things. And so it really kind of depends on how it's being prepared. But the thing about elk, like eating elk, uh, from restaurants or eating bison from restaurants is there's very strict regulations on wild game in this country, um, the commercialization of it, because they don't want people to, they don't want someone to go out and just kill a bunch of elk and sell all the meat, right? So you can't actually buy wild game meat, um, or you shouldn't legally be able to at least, um, and so all of like the restaurants or anywhere that you're getting it from, those are farmed. But the, the good thing about the farmed game, so to speak, is that they have a lot more restrictions on what the animals are allowed to eat and what we are allowed to give them. So when you have your bison or your elk at your restaurant in Jackson Hole or whatever, um, that bison and that elk is going to be basically organic because they have very strict requirements on what they are and aren't allowed to give them, unlike cattle. That's awesome. I thought that was my next question if it was, yeah, because I was like, we don't have great restrictions on other livestock, so that that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, because they're considered game, they're not really considered livestock, even though they're farmed. And you guys know, like, I'll eat meat in certain circumstances. It's, um, it's, it's kind of the meat industry, you know, the factory farming, the mass production of meat that I really have an issue with. But when it comes to elk and bison or, you know, like reindeer in Alaska – they can't do caribou, so they do reindeer. I don't generally mind eating those things because they are not 
farmed in these huge like feedlot mass production things where they're in, you know, a four by five foot shoot for their whole fucking lives and just literally fed, you know, their mouths held open and forced to swallow all this food to get bigger I and bigger. Hate and bigger. That. Yeah. So, you know, in general, as somebody who toes that line of vegetarian based on my own beliefs, in my mind, elk, you know, elk and bison, I don't, I don't mind eating those. I don't feel bad eating those because of the way that they are, you know, quote unquote farmed yeah. and dealt with. I always prefer like free range cattle. Like my, I, when I can afford it, I get beef from my cousin uh, who's a dairy farmer instead of, uh, instead of the store, because first of all, it's just better, but also I know the animals are being treated humanely. Um, okay. So like other deer species, the bulls have seasonal antlers. Remember, some some have antlers year round, but um, most of them don't. So the elk have seasonal seasonal antlers that slowly grow through like spring and summer, and then they're shed during the winter. But if you guys remember earlier in the show, I said that um, Roosevelt's elk is the largest elk body size, but Rocky Mountain elk have the largest antlers. Um, I want one of you guys or both of you guys to guess why why do the elk in the rocky mountain corridor have bigger antlers and they actually keep them throughout most of winter they don't usually start dropping them until like march february or march i'm gonna guess it's defense against predators like a larger population of bears or other things that maybe prey on them directly also, I don't remember you saying that at all. <laughs> the size no, were you drunk too? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> all right, Charlotte, what do you think? I have literally no idea. Salome, I know you had a really shitty day outside the podcast, <laughs> but you are fucking crushing everything today in the show. Yes. The Rocky Mountain elk along this whole corridor their antlers get bigger and they keep them for longer because of wolves. Oh. Is that because there's more wolves? Because there are now actually wolves around that are preying on them. And especially, so in a normal summer, a a wolf or a bear, even a big old grizzly bear, they're not going to try to take down a really healthy bull elk. Even like a, a family group of wolves isn't going to because... The bull elk are big, they're strong, they have these big ass antlers, and it's just not worth the risk of getting injured usually to um, yeah. to a wolf group. But at the end of the rut, when they are you know weakened or sometimes injured, I saw one this fall that had actually died um, from a puncture wound from another elk's antler that he was rutting with. Oof. I know I, I sat on this elk carcass, not literally, but I sat several hundred yards away watching through a scope <laughs> for hours and hours and hours trying to see this fucking bear come down on it. And he never did. Um, I will link the study to it. But yes, the elk have these larger antlers and they keep them for the majority of winter to defend themselves from mostly wolves. Uh, and then, you know, when they shed them near the end of winter, that's when they're starting to have like winter kill that becomes more available because snow's melting. So they'll kind of change around what they're eating. But yeah, so that's why they have the larger antlers and keep them for more of winter. 
So good job, Salome. You get, Yay. I don't know, something. You get you get me coming to visit this weekend as your, <laughs> Aww. That's what I always wanted. As your prize. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the elk rut. I am going to play you guys a sound. It sounds like an instrument. Sounds like an out of tune flute. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Here's another one that has their little, they do a little thing at the end. It's like this weird little thing. Here it is. That's so, oh, it's it, like if I heard that noise and didn't know what elk were, what they sounded like, I would be terrified. I'd be like, this is haunted. It was so cool when we were camping in Yellowstone hearing them. Like it was, it was it's a cool sound. Yeah, it's an eerie sound. It was definitely eerie, like just hearing it in the middle of the night. Yeah. So during the rut, there's a lot of bugling. Uh, when actually when I went and watch that carcass. Uh, so, oh, you guys, it was so amazing. I left the house at three. I got to this spot in Yellowstone at like 545 because I knew where this carcass was. I got all set up. I got my little camp chair out. I got my little body <laughs> scope set up. I did Why didn't you just things. sit on the carcass again? <laughs> <laughs> I use that term a lot uh, as just, you know, waiting on the carcass. But oh my God, as as like the sun started to come up, there was just bugling at like almost nonstop bugling from so many elk just all over the place doing this bugling. And that's so cool. It's just, it's just such a cool sound. And then they, they round up what, what we call harems, which is exactly like it sounds just big groups (laughs) of cow elk to mate with. So, and then their calves are born in like late spring, early summer, usually not till early June, at least in this area. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's later than I would have thought. Yeah. It's a little later than some of the other animals for sure. Um, and so the cow elk will with their, with their calves, they'll usually have one calf occasionally two, but it's, it's almost always one. Okay. So, interesting. So I, I mean, all I can think is like, ouch, like that's what <laughs> I usually think of when I think about birth, but like, Oh, well those hooves, add hooves, add hooves to it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But okay, so the cow elk will actually, so it takes about a week or so until the elk calves can really like run pretty well, right? And so what they'll do is the their their moms will actually lick them until they have no scent and they'll hide them from predators in like thick brush while they're out feeding. That's what Bambi's mom did. Exactly, yep. And if predators- You saw how it turned out for- Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so okay so calves okay they're hidden right as as the moms are like out eating or whatever so if predators kind of come near or approach or whatever the cow elk will actually try to lure them away like a fake little chase thing the other direction to try to get them to go but the cool thing about calves so at this point she's already like made it so that they don't have any scent but they're spotted and they're orange and remember about orange who remembers red dogs orange. are orange yes but why do why does that matter? oh because uh because a lot of animals are colorblind a lot of predators can't tell colorblind the difference between in that spectrum in yeah. the red spectrum so they actually so being orangish and spotted helps them just look like the landscape and yeah. they can't smell them so 
That's what they do to nature uh, is cool. Evolution is cool. Babies. So they congregate in some of the biggest herds in North America compared to like other deer species. So we talked about it before, but like before the Yellowstone wolf introduction, there was like 20,000 in one herd alone. That's and insane. Yeah. And now the, in, and that that's just in Yellowstone, but now the whole population of Yellowstone elk is between 10 to 20,000. And that's split between like six or seven main herds throughout the park. That sounds much healthier for the Yeah, and, and in the winter, about 10,000 from surrounding areas will congregate at the National Elk Refuge in Jackson. So when I've been there, there's been about five or 7,000, um, but they can see up to 10,000. And it's amazing. It is so cool to see. Sounds cool. Sorry, I, so I thought cool. you were going to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's I cool. I like to keep you guessing. So, yeah, so I, okay, so that's kind of some of the basics about elk. Um, they are super badass. I want to talk about some of the threats. So one of the reasons why the National Elk Refuge is even a thing is because of how low their population numbers got and uh, Salome, have you ever been to Hardware Ranch near Logan? I have not. I know that there is, um, there's an area near, um, Brigham City where they farm elk. Is that what you're talking about? No. No, it's not a farm. So it's called Hardware okay. Ranch and it is ran by the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources. Oh, cool. And it's up Blacksmith Fork Canyon. And I have been there. You can take a little like sleigh ride through it. Basically, it, it's kind of the same thing as the National Elk Refuge in Jackson, just on a much smaller scale. So what they do is they would they will actually feed uh, elk throughout the winter to kind of keep them there. Um, and the reason why they started it at Hardware Ranch in Utah is because Blacksmith Fork Canyon is like, super narrow, super sketchy. And there was a lot of um, car accidents with elk and people were dying, elk were dying, all Mm -hmm. this stuff. So at the other end of Blacksmith Canyon, there's um, a little like valley. And so they've turned it into hardware ranch where they feed the elk in the winter. And so it keeps them there. Yeah. It keeps everybody safe. Uh, That's kind of the same idea with the national elk refuge. I like that. It's a, humane way to deal with a wildlife human conflict uh conflict i like that yeah and and you can also take sleigh rides in the national elk refuge in jackson that also sounds so So it's super cool you can drive (laughs) by and i'll make sure and put some photos up and so they tend to winter there and as the weather gets worse and the snow gets deeper and their resource their food resources go away they kind of start to congregate there but one of the threats to elk is this thing called hoof rot. Ew. So I know it sounds gross. So it is, there's a specific gut bacteria oh. that elk have. Sorry, just that word. That's worse than all of the other things we talked about. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, sorry. We are going to talk about butts a little. <laughs> oh, okay, that's not even as bad. Just the, the word <laughs> gut, butts, it makes me like. Not feces. Oh, okay. Just the poop? Yeah, that's so much better. Thanks, Pam. 
Okay, so nice. So mm. hoof rot is when a gut bacteria. So, uh, so many what good happens words. is. I know there's this bacteria that comes out through their feces because it's a gut bacteria. And what it does is it infects these small abrasions in hoofs caused by snow and ice. So when you have all of these elk congregating in these areas and it's really snowy and icy, they're getting these small abrasions in their hoofs. Right. And last winter at a feed ground close to Jackson. So you have the National uh, Elk Refuge, but there's also another one like southeast of Jackson. But last winter, almost 50% of the calves died from this hoof rot because Ooh. it's harder for calves to fight it off than it is like the advice right. with that's, the I immune mean, system. It's horrible. Yeah. So hoof rot, I mean, it, the shitty thing is it did kill about half of last year's calves. So that would be 2022, 2023 winter. Um, but it has changed a little bit of how they are approaching these feed grounds and things like that. So that's okay. the good news. We're trying to kind of spread, not we, but they're trying to kind of spread it out and not have these areas where they're congregating. As we've talked before, that's how disease spreads. I mean, all sorts of shit, right? And hoof rot. And, and the problem is the reason why it spreads so bad is because you have so many elk in such a small area and they're just right. shitting everywhere. So yeah. the hooves are stepping all over the shit. I'm sorry. I don't know why that's so funny. Yeah. So hoof rot is one of the threats to elk. Another is brucellosis. So we talked about this before, right? Um, brucellosis causes abortion of the first fetus and sometimes the second or third, but it gets less likely over time. Right. That's How- right. Such a yeah, weird but- like symptom that it's yeah, only so the first. So it's not like infertility. It's just the well, first. It can cause infertility also, but the way that it's spread is through the aborted fetus. So it has to do like as a reproductive mechanism of, of brucellosis, it aborts that fetus, which is now covered in the brucellosis essentially. And another oh, animal okay. like walks through uh, it or whatever. So, oof. yeah. So That's I how it usually feel itself. nauseous. Maybe it's my headache. This is like, this is rough. We've talked about some really rough stuff, but this, like, I don't know, like, five, ten minute period, wouldn't you say, Charlotte? It's, like, Yeah, brutal. it's, this is particularly no gross. Pam. I mean, is you it, didn't, you're oh, not, maybe you, you guys know. should be drinking as much as I'm drinking. <laughs> I don't think that would make me less I will, nauseous. I will try to remember some vodka next week. <laughs> That's what I'm drinking tonight. Um... <laughs> So uh, here's the thing about brucellosis also. It is a zoonotic disease, which remember, it that means it can spread from animals to humans. Now, Oof. in most humans, it does not cause the same things at all. Guys, like, not even don't, close. Go licking, don't go licking aborted calves, aborted oh elk fetuses. <laughs> I think that's a good rule of thumb. Don't, don't lick so. any aborted fetus, regardless of the <laughs> mammal animal it came from. <laughs> But but here's the good thing uh, for both of you is brucellosis. <laughs> well, I'm getting there. Like 
Let me get there. I go licking those all the time. <laughs> the good news for both of you is that brucellosis it pretty much only occurs in Montana, Wyoming, and Idaho. Why is that I'm good for us? <laughs> well, I live on the opposite coast, so. So I can lick fetuses here. That's yes. what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so another another big kind of threat to elk is chronic wasting disease. Oh, and that shit's we, bad. That shit's bad. I want to kind of do a whole episode on it, to be honest. I would um, like that because it's a big yeah. issue around here. It is, and and New York has actually handled it very very well overall, but it's a highly transmittable prion disease, which mm. is like a protein. it turns them into zombies. Literally, so it's a protein-based neurodegenerative disease. Like, I don't even say zombies. Like, that's not ironic. It literally, like, turns them into zombies. Yeah, so it it affects the brain, and it basically makes their proteins not fold correctly. So there's weight loss, there's stumbling, there's confusion. Uh, One of the problems, actually, one of the big problems with it, you guys, it takes up to 16 months to show symptoms, which means you could have like seven or eight infected deer or moose or elk going around transmitting it. And and we don't even know because they're not showing symptoms yet. It's terrifying. And in case anyone's... Like wondering, I think the best example of a prion would be like mad cow disease as we know it. I like that you call them prions and I call them prions. I call them prions. In, uh, patho, they, I've always heard it prions, so I'm sorry. But that's fine. You guys can be weird. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I'm probably wrong, but I just don't care. Um, it's fine. I know you are. Savage. All right. So. The cool thing is the states around here, including Utah, during hunting season, they have testing stations. The shitty thing is you have to bring like the head to test because they need the spinal cord and stuff and the brain. But you can actually because, you know, you have to report that stuff anyway and report your tags and all that. And there's a lot of check stations and things like that. And so they're in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, even Nevada, Colorado, they have these stations where they are testing for chronic wasting disease after you've done the hunt. So you're on your way down the mountain, you stop, you get tested. So I will post a link, but there are things you can do if you did harvest a deer or an elk or what or a moose or whatever that um, that you can do to prevent any possible spread of it or any kind of cross contamination. So another big threat to elk is a certain kind of brain worm. So Oh god, with the brain worms. Didn't moose have brain worms too? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm excited because you remembered. <laughs> you remembered something. So I'm also excited I remembered, but could I have remembered anything else? Like is there literally anything like less gross that I could have like locked onto? It was our it was our third episode, so it was quite yeah. a while ago uh, that we talked about it. But I don't remember what happened at the beginning of this episode, but <laughs> that far back, yes. Okay, uh, no, literally same. I listen back when I'm editing, and I'm like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Who um, are these people?" So it it's actually the same exact one of the same exact brain worms we talked about in episode three, Antler, about moose. So moose moose are susceptible to a few, but the one that I am specifically talking about is a meningeal roundworm, which means it lodges in the brain 
and the spinal cord and the meninges, which is um, the sheath. Yeah, yeah, the sheath. That just sounds so unpleasant. <laughs> That's why I just like cringed. Yes, yeah, so it causes weakness, lack of coordination, deafness, impaired vision. Um, the stuff that we talked about on the moose episode specifically was fearlessness. You know, they're walking up to people, they're walking up to cars. Um, the main, and, and it causes paralysis too, but one of the main ways you can tell they have this brainworm is if they're circling, walking in circles. So sad. That's the big indicator. And there's no, there's no way to cure it. So unfortunately, you know, if you have some kind of ungulate doing that, lack of coordination, they're walking around in circles, they're not acting right. You know, the fishing game is probably going to shoot it, but that's the kinder, you know, that's the kinder outcome in that case. Mm -hmm. So they can get these brain worms. Um, what, so, so what all this is coming down to is that when large herds are congregating, these things like hoof rot, brucellosis, chronic wasting, they spread so much faster and they can even like completely wipe out herds. And the, the last thing that I really want to touch on is we are going to cover the elk and wolf dynamic when we delve into our episodes on wolves, which I promise will be soon. We're finally going to get to them. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk. <laughs> we are going to talk about how wolf reintroduction has helped the entire ecosystem. But study upon study upon study <laughs> has showed that wolves in the GYE have ultimately made elk healthier. And I'm going to tell you guys why. Because they weed out the ones with brucellosis. Right. So, so a couple of things here. So what has been found is there tends to not be as many like insane population fluctuations because they're being kept at more um, consistent populations because of wolves. So less elk are starving to death, which you know, I don't, it's part of nature, but I don't want an animal to starve to death. For sure. Me too. My theory, the way wolves help is that they go after the sick and the old elk. So the ones with brucellosis and then, or various diseases. So they don't spread the diseases, but also then because they're going after those ones, they, those ones aren't pooping anymore. <laughs> So their poop isn't affecting, isn't infecting other. There was something elk. about like once like certain carnivores like digest it, that like infected material, infectious material is gone. No, 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 you are absolutely right. And actually that's a good teaser. That's a good cock tease because we are going to talk about that. Sorry, wait, let me rephrase that. That's a good talk tease because talk tease. we are going to talk about that on the next mini on the next micro Bruin. Well, you're welcome. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I'll teach it. You. It's fine. It's that'd be terrible. Yeah. So, but no, like you guys are both so right. So to, to touch on Charlotte's point a little bit is most of the elk or most of the wolves, we've talked about this before. They hunt the opposite of what humans hunt. Right. But they're hunting the older, the sick, the injured cows, and they are hunting the sick or the weekend weekend. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> the sick or the weakened post-rut bulls and the occasional calf. But honestly, grizzlies prey on elk calves at a much higher rate than wolves do. 
And that's because wolves generally need to feed a lot more than just themselves, right? So it's not yeah. really worth their energy expenditure. But so, so yeah, to Charlotte's point, yes. Uh, another thing is they split up these large herds. So what it does is it makes individually elk physically stronger and smarter because the individual elk are learning evasive maneuvers. They are learning, oh, go here during this time, go here during this time. And even just those two things make them stronger and smarter, let alone preventing those diseases and things like that from rapidly spreading. Right. So not only are the herds healthier, but each individual is as well, because as we know, in regards to evolution, survival of the fittest refers to passing down successful genetic variations. So future generations of elk will be healthier stronger and smarter and isn't that ultimately what we want (laughs) yes that's what i want (laughs) so yeah so i love that you brought that up salome because we are going to talk about that uh on the next microbrewing you're welcome in regards to bobcats actually Ooh, i love bobcats and and you didn't even know i was gonna talk about that so that makes it even cooler so we're like same wavelength so do you guys have like a really cool elk encounter that you can think of i've never seen one so that's my cool elk story <laughs> what i've never seen even one. in utah Mm-mm. i've seen pictures of them why are you not up here right fucking now? I saw a herd of 400 of them last weekend. 400? God, you're such a show off. So we we probably already mentioned this to everyone, to our wonderful listeners, um, but Pam will send us like rundowns of like all the animals she saw. It's like, oh, I saw this many wolves. And I saw this. <laughs> it's an animal count and all my friends make fun of me for it. But I do an animal count every time I go out. I do an animal count. I, I think it's nice. I like the animal count. I'm teasing you about it, but I love it. Okay, so do other people. So fuck off, Salome. <laughs> You're like, everyone makes fun of me. And then we're like, no, we like it. And you're like, yeah, everyone else does too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I can tease you about it, but it's, it is awesome. Charlotte, do you have like a cool elk story? Um, no, I don't think like a cool elk story. I just think they are cool and it's cool to like see little baby herds of them uh like when you're driving down the road in estes park or up in yellowstone they're everywhere and they're like kind of beautiful (laughs) well one time we were in yellowstone near the end of september me and my ex and we came around this corner in um do you remember swan lake flat that area that I just fucking love. It's like, there's a big lake and electric peak. Oh, it's right by Bunsen peak. Bunsen peak looks down oh, on it. I Charlotte. love Bunsen peak. Yeah. It's beautiful. So Bunsen peaks on the right. Swan lakes on the left. So we came around the corner one time and there was this, this big bull elk and he's like running up and down with his harem of, I don't know, like eight or nine cow elk, whatever. And we pull over and there's this family and this is like after the main season. So there wasn't a lot of people and this little boy's like, oh, my God, there's an there's a wolf out there chasing these elk. And we're like, oh, no shit. So we get our binoculars, we get our scope, whatever. But it was a coyote. But this family was so excited 
to quote unquote see a wolf chasing around oh, a herd. Yeah, no, we didn't break it to them that it was a coyote. We, I, they were so excited, and they're like, "Can you believe it? We're watching this wolf chase these elk." Oh. They were just the cutest family with these little boys, and they were from like the Midwest, and we just let them think that you're a good person. I feel like I'd be like, actually, that's. <laughs> I'm an asshole. I'm, I mean, I'm not really an asshole, but I would, I don't know. I'm also like that annoying person that, you know, is like, it's a Well, and I wouldn't thing. lie. Like if they said, oh, what is that? I would say a coyote, but I just let them do the talking while I kind of look, right? Like I wouldn't straight <laughs> up lie. But, but here's the thing. They're going to go back or they did go back and tell all these people how fucking cool it was to watch a wolf be wild in nature and get other people excited about wildlife. Exactly, exactly. So again, I wouldn't straight up lie about it. I I didn't really say anything. We just kind of looked. I probably wouldn't uh, either. I'd just be like, oh, oh. they were just so excited. Aww. Um, That's so sweet. Coyotes. Coyotes are cool too. All right. Salome, mm-hmm. if you were sitting around watching uh, The Office. <laughs> Like, uh, what does she watch? If you're sitting around watching The Office, yes. would you rather have a grizzly or an elk fall through your ceiling? This is like always what my mind goes to. I'm just like stuck in like self-preservation mode or something. But I feel like both could kill me. Oh, but yeah, but your rule is they can't kill you. <laughs> it was so. for part of it, and then you guys were like, "We don't have that rule." You can still have that rule, no, though. You can still have that rule. It is yeah. a ridiculous game. You're allowed to have whatever rules. You could, you could also say, oh, a baby grizzly or a baby elk. Like, you just make up whatever the fuck you want. That's the great thing about this oh game. Oh, my God. Can I pick baby elk and baby Oh, that's so cute. Sure. Um, I'm going to say I'm gonna say an elk because I don't want to die. Cause... And because you haven't seen one. Charlotte, which would you pick? I want to say... If I could ride the elk like a horse, then I would right? go with... Or like hold on to its antlers? Yeah, so I really like horseback riding, so I would ride the elk. But if that's not part of the rules, if like that wouldn't be an option, then I would go for a grizzly because then they could give me a big bear hug, not squeezing too tight, just hard enough to be like a weighted blanket. Um and I would be very cozy and warm, and we could watch Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like a together. snuggie. I love. Yeah, exactly. A bear snuggie. Yeah. Such a good show. So I think I would go with elk if I'm but allowed what kind to of ride. Hat them. Would he be wearing? Because didn't we talk about a coyote wearing a fedora one time? Yeah. <laughs> you were saying. Well, I thought he was going to wear like a little baseball cap and drink a beer. Is he like no, a hipster? Fedora. He's got it. He's a, a hipster coyote. I feel like coyotes are hipsters. Why would a coyote wear a baseball cap? <laughs> yeah. Why would they? <laughs> Fedora makes That's so much ridiculous more sense. thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> Excuse oh. me. What about you, Pam? Um, I, I think this time I would pick elk because I've, based on this game, I've picked grizzly like 18 times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would pick an elk. Um... I don't know. I just think, I just think it would be cool. I mean, what kind of hat? An elk would probably wear. <laughs> like, I feel like an elk would wear a baseball cap. cap. No, I was like thinking a like a, I was thinking. Yes, I was thinking that too. Like what Abraham Lincoln would wear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
What a stovepipe hat? Isn't that what he? Or am I thinking of Frosty the Snowman? <laughs> I mean, pipe. it's a lot of people get Abraham Lincoln and Frosty the Snowman confused. Um, I like how you guys aren't even drinking alcohol, and I am, and you're coming up with the silliest shit. It's very. I have some sugar, so close enough. Okay. Yeah, I think I think in this case, maybe I would pick, actually. Okay, I would pick an elk calf. Because it could curl up on the couch next to Clementine, and they would look identical. Oh, fuck. That would be oh, very cute. Sorry, wow, I said that really Because my dog is a baby deer. She so is. That would be so cute. How cute would that be to have a baby so elk cute. with all the spots, <laughs> with the front curled up? So, uh, as, as you mentioned, Pam, earlier, you don't ever cry. I'm literally tearing up at the thought of a make-believe baby elk. <laughs> Lay next to Clementine. <laughs> to be fair, Clementine is your niece. Like, literally, she is your dog's litter mate. And I love her so much. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for listening. Guys, um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and especially share because that helps us grow the podcast and kind of, you know, get this information out there and just make people a little more aware of wildlife. So speaking of reviews, we got the cutest fucking review on Apple Podcasts by Seeing Voices. Thank you so much, uh, Seeing Voices, for reviewing. What we need you to do, though, is email us your address so we can send you the stickers at... Oh, sorry. Bears and Bruce Podcast at gmail.com? Yes. And we will send you a sticker. Um, also send your social security number and your <laughs> mother's maiden name. <laughs> so, but yes, we, we do need your actual address to send you the sticker. So please send us that. Also, I think this episode was also a shit show. So if you made it through this episode, next reviewer to review Not even will just also review, get a sticker. Just fucking email me. Like, I don't even care. But also yeah. review. Or, no, no, you should review. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Bears and Bruce Podcast. Uh, thank you to Christian Mills for our great music. He has a lot of gigs coming up in the Salt Lake area, so check him out. Uh, Christian H. Mills on Instagram. Sorry, Charlotte, go ahead. And most of all, thank you. Thank you, listeners. We love you so much. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.